the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. This is what Jesus does. He takes you from good to great. Now, the the world, the world, it, it takes you from good to bad. The world offers you something that at first is good. It seems good. It feels good. It makes you happy. And then once you're hooked on it, then the world gives you the bad, right? What does the Bible say? Sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin's fun for a season, but then that season ends and it's miserable. Whether you're a believer in Christ or not, chances are you've been duped into the lures and snares of this world. Whether you thought they would help you feel better or improve your situation, you were probably quick to catch on to their destruction and letdown. In today's message, Pastor Dan will remind you that it's only Jesus who can truly improve us. In his study, you'll learn how Christ makes the good great, and the world only offers death and destruction. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 2, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. These are the last recorded words of Mary and the Bible. And Mary gives some really great advice here. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. That's good advice. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Now there the, the Jews had this, uh, this ritual ceremony for washing their hands before eating food. It's not based of, on the Bible. It's not scriptural. It's just a man-made ritual that they came up with. Uh, it's, it's referred to in Mark chapter 7. You don't have to turn there necessarily, but you can jot it down. Mark chapter 7, uh, verses 1 to 5, the Pharisees and the scribes, they came to Jesus and they asked Jesus, why his disciples eat food with unwashed hands, that they don't follow the ceremony. They don't do this ritual hand washing before eating a meal. And so uh, that's what these water pots are for, these water pots of stone. They, they have six of them there in this house. They're large water pots between 20 and 30 gallons apiece, and they're there so people could do this ceremonial Hand washing. Now, these are really large water pots, uh, and they're made of stone. Uh, so these would be pretty expensive water pots. Uh, so this this tells us that the family that is hosting this 
wedding celebration, they're probably pretty well off if they've got these six large water pots made of stone in their house. Plus, they've got servants, which is an indication that they're probably pretty well off. And this wedding reception is probably a large reception uh, because he's going to turn these six large water pots to wine. Uh, It's about 150, 180 gallons. And just to put that into some terms that maybe you can grasp a little bit better, that's about 800 bottles of wine that he's going to create. So this is probably a large reception of people there. You know, uh, last time when, when we were in Israel, our tour guide, Andre, he is an Arab, and we were talking about this story on the bus, and he was talking about their Arab culture. And their culture, when you have, you have the wedding ceremony that, like, the family attends, and then you have the reception that anyone can attend. Uh, and they, you just bring money to pay for your portion of the, of the reception, your meal, and anyone can attend. And he said it's not uncommon for a, a reception to have over a 1,000 people there. Most of the people don't know the bride and the groom, have never met the bride and the groom, but they just went, and they were invited to go. And so in, in their culture, uh, again, you, you see a similar picture there where you can see how they might run out of wine. How do you estimate how many people are going to show up and give the caterer a head count, how much food and drink you might need? And so you could see how they possibly could run out They've got a lot of people there. And so it seems like it's a pretty big reception here based on the amount of wine that Jesus is going to make. So verse 7, now pay attention to verse 7. Jesus said to the servants, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Not halfway. They're not half-hearted servants. They filled it to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast This guy's kind of in charge of the the catering here. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but notice the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior you have kept the good wine until now. Now, normally they would serve the good wine, the expensive wine at the beginning of the celebration. And then after everyone's had a few glasses, right? And they're a little bit pickled. Uh, they'd start serving the cheap stuff, right? Cause nobody can tell the difference at that point. And what the, what the uh, master of the feast says is you have kept the good wine until now, the later wine they served later in the celebration was better than the wine they served at the beginning of the celebration. And the wine they served at the beginning of the celebration was good wine. And now they're serving great wine. So they've gone from serving good to serving great instead of going from good to bad. Now, listen, listen, this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. He takes you from good to great. Now, the, the world, the world it, it takes you from good to bad. The world offers you something that at first is good. It seems good. It feels good. It makes you happy. And then once you're hooked on it, then the world gives you the bad. Right? What does the Bible say? Sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin's fun for a season. But then that season ends, and it's miserable. That's the world. 
The world offers you the good to hook you in, and then it changes the price tag on you, right? And it gives you the bad. And hey, this isn't what I thought I was getting. Well, this is what you got. But Jesus, Jesus is the opposite of that. He starts with something good, and he moves from good to great, right? He starts with salvation. He starts with the forgiveness of your sins. And then he takes you from good to great. He takes you to something great. He takes you ultimately to eternal life with him. You know, he gives us grace upon grace. He gives us grace, and then he replaces that grace with greater grace and even greater grace on top of that. It's good to great. Salvation and forgiveness of sins, man, that's plenty. But not only that, now he gives us an inheritance in heaven with him and eternity with him forever and ever. So he takes us from good to great. And so here you have this this miracle of Jesus turning the water to wine. And just a few observations and applications we can make from this text. First of all, you have the servants. And I want you to note this about the servants in verse 9. The servants saw Jesus's miracle. They saw Jesus's miracle. Not the guests at the wedding. The guests at the wedding didn't even know they were out of wine. They didn't even know that there was a need for a miracle. They were oblivious to the miracle. They didn't know a miracle had occurred. It was the servants who saw the miracle. It was the servants who saw Jesus work. Those who serve the Lord get to see the Lord work. And that's one of the greatest benefits of serving the Lord. You get to see the Lord work. Those who don't serve the Lord, they don't get to see him work in the same way. But when you serve the Lord, you get to see him work. Uh, I was thinking uh, this morning about before we moved into this building, we were a portable church and we met in different community centers and schools and that kind of thing over the years. And there were several Sundays where we would like show up at the building at the at the high school. I remember that happened quite a bit at the high school. We'd show up at the high school and the person that was supposed to be there to open the door, unlock the door, didn't show up. And we have all this gear and sound equipment to set up and try to find a county employee on a Sunday morning to answer their phone, right? And we'd, you know, we'd panic at first, and then we'd pray. You know, and we would, we only, you know, we'd show up like an hour before the service, hour and a half before the service. So we've got a small window before the congregation is going to start showing up. And there's no one to unlock the building. And we'd pray, and the Lord, the Lord would just work it out. You know, he would work it out where someone else would show up or unlock the building and it would just work out. You know, we'd walk into a building sometimes and there'd be some kind of craziness in the building. Clock's ticking. People are going to show up in an hour and we got to deal with this craziness. Right. And the Lord would just work it out just miraculously. The Lord would just deal with it. And one of the things that we learned in that season as a church was the Lord always works it out. The Lord always works it out and never fails. The Lord always works it out. I was just talking to someone back in the children's ministry before the service while worship was going on, and they weren't sure who was going to be in one of the classrooms, and there was an assistant in there, and they're kind of panicking. I said, hey, the Lord's going to work it out. He's just going to work it out. Sure enough, I walked back there during the greeting time, and somebody showed up to teach the class, right? It all worked out. He just works it out. But it's the servant who gets to see the Lord work. 
Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. You know, we had those, those emergencies on a Sunday morning where the person didn't show up to unlock the building, and we're freaking out, and then the Lord would work it out, and the congregation would come in at 10 o'clock, and they'd have no idea what, you know, what we've been doing for the last hour, right? No clue. They're oblivious to it. It's the servants who get to see the Lord's work. And so I, I encourage you, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Get plugged in uh, somewhere. Get plugged in somewhere in the church or somewhere else in some other ministry and get plugged in where you can serve the Lord so you can see him work. That's one application we get from these uh, servants. Another application we get is uh, notice their obedience, the obedience of the servants. They simply obeyed Jesus. Jesus said, fill the water pots, and they filled them to the brim. Not halfway. They filled him up. He said in verse 8, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they did. They didn't argue with Jesus. They didn't question Jesus. They didn't say to Jesus, tell me why you want us to fill up the water pots and then we'll do it. No, they, they just simply humbly obeyed the Lord Jesus. You know, often we want God to tell us what he's going to do up front and tell us all the steps that are going to be required to get there. We want God to lay the whole thing out for us, step by step, all up front. And once we see the whole thing and how it's all going to work out, okay, then we'll do it. Then we're on board. But he doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. God will tell us step one. And then he waits for us to obey step one. And once we obey step one, then he says, here's step two that I want you to do. And then once we obey step two, here's step three. And he just waits for us to obey each little step. And he doesn't tell us the whole thing. He just tells us the next step. And the reason he does that is because then we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We want to walk by sight naturally. But he asks us to walk by faith, just trusting him as the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. We're the sheep. He knows where he's taking us. He knows where there's green grass. He knows where there's still waters. He knows where there's danger. He knows where there's shelter. He's the shepherd. Our job as the sheep is to just follow the shepherd. And we just trust that he knows where he's going. And he knows what he's doing. And he knows where he's leading us. And so another lesson from these servants is we should simply obey Jesus. Whatever he asks us to do, just simply obey Jesus. You think about this in verse 7, he tells the servants to fill the water pots. These are water pots for washing your hands. They need wine, 
right? You could understand a servant saying, hey, we just ran out of wine. You know, you know people don't need to wash their hands. We need wine. I don't have, we don't have time to fill 180 gallons worth of water. That's going to take a long time. Now they just obeyed him. He knows what he's doing. Mary said, hey, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that's what they're doing, just obeying him with simplicity. And I want you to notice here, too, that God used the servants to complete this miracle. They obeyed his commands. They cooperated. And through their cooperation, Jesus brought about this miracle. And there are several miracles recorded in John's gospel that involve the cooperation of man with God to get the miracle accomplished. Uh, in the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, the disciples passed out the bread. In John chapter 9, uh, Jesus heals a man that's born blind. He puts mud on his eyes, and then he tells the man to go wash his eyes in the pool of Siloam. That man's got to wash his eyes. Uh, in John chapter 11, with the raising of Lazarus from the dead, they had to roll away the stone. And so with each example, you know, they had man had to cooperate with God. Man had to cooperate with Jesus. Man had to uh, do what Jesus was asking them to do for the miracle to be accomplished. And so one question that we should ask ourselves from this passage is, am I cooperating with Jesus in my life? Am I cooperating with him? Or am I resisting him? Or am I uh, trying to get Jesus to do what I want him to do? Am I trying to get my own way? Or am I cooperating with Jesus to assist him to do what he wants to do? So that brings us to verse 11. Finally, verse 11, we're told, The beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, and manifested his glories and his his glory and his disciples believed in him. I mean, they they believed in a deeper way now because they have a better understanding of who he is. So we're told here in verse eleven that this was his first miracle, the first miracle of Jesus. Now sometimes you can you can find stories on the internet uh, of Jesus working miracles when he was a baby you know, healing birds and stuff like that, uh, or as a child. No, this is the first miracle. This is the first miracle. All those other stories are false. The Bible tells us this was his first miracle. This was his first sign, he says. This is when he began to manifest his glory to his disciples, we're told in verse 11. If you look back in chapter 1, verse 14, It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, we beheld his glory. We saw his glory. And here in chapter 2, verse 11, is an example of when the disciples beheld his glory. John's telling us here in verse 11, hey, we we saw him and we realized once he he did this miracle of turning the water into wine, we realized that standing before us is God in the flesh because only God can turn water to wine. We beheld his glory. 
we realized who he is, that he's God in the flesh. He's God incarnate, the creator of all. This miracle shows Jesus's identity. It's a sign. What does a sign do? It, it points you to something. And this is pointing to the identity of Jesus Christ as the creator. Back in chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. And this miracle of turning water to wine points to Jesus being the creator, the one who makes the vine. Which, by the way, God created the vine on the third day of creation. Here it is, the third day. It's God who creates the vine and the grape. It's God who creates wine from water. If you think about it, every, every year, God creates wine from water on 10,000 hillsides and vineyards all over the world through a natural process. He creates wine from water. And here the creator God is just creating wine from water in a moment, in an instant. But it's something he does all the time in creation. And here now he just does it in a moment, in an instant, in these water pots. And the disciples, they beheld his glory. It was a sign that pointed to them to the reality of Jesus' identity as the creator. The creator of the vine, the creator of the grape, the creator of wine. Now, this miracle is also a picture of what Jesus can do in a person's life. You know, he can transform a life. You know, wine in the Bible is a symbol of joy. And here you have this, this wedding that is, they run out of wine. There's no joy there. This is a wedding and a marriage that's heading for uh, disaster and shame. And what Jesus does is Jesus can intervene and he can take a marriage that's heading for disaster, and he can make it uh, just filled with joy. He can take a person whose life is heading towards disaster and shame because of sin, and he can fill it with joy, joy overflowing here. I mean, this is an abundance of joy when you've got 180 gallons now of wine, an abundance of joy. That's what he does. And the Bible says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away and everything's made new. Jesus likes to take something that is heading for disaster and make it joyful and make it a source of joy for other people by transforming it miraculously. He asked me how I know and I say brings truer than the finest crystal. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more of Pastor Dan's teachings from 1 John, you can do so right now at calvaryec.com. Just click on media. In fact, there's an entire library of Pastor Dan's messages that you're welcome to listen to and even share with friends and family. Would you do us a favor? Would you join us in praying for the ministry of Ring of Truth? Please pray for Pastor Dan and everyone involved in this program that we would continue to listen and respond to what our Heavenly Father has to say. Pray, too, for your brothers and sisters in Christ listening along with you, that they would be protected from the enemy, and that the truth and blessing of Scripture would fuel their passion for following the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to pray. 
Our time with you is at an end for today. We'd like to encourage you not to shut your Bible just yet. Continue reading in the book of 1 John or take some time to explore any of the other 65 books in God's Word. Each one reveals new aspects of your relationship with your Creator and will open your eyes to His purpose and plans for this world and for you. We pray you are blessed richly as you continue an extended time of learning from Scripture. Thanks for tuning in today and join us next time for another edition of Ring of Truth. Good night.